Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. And you know what, folks? I try to be fair. I try to be fair. I try not to be extreme. I try not to be extreme in, in my coverage or reporting. Uh, I try not to be one of these, like, if you don't agree with every single thing I say, if you don't fill every single box that I want filled, uh, then you're a sellout. I try not to be that way, right? I try to cover people fairly. But Elizabeth Warren, it's like this drip, 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 drip. Every week, she's revealing who she really is more and more to the point, do I think she's as bad as Joe Biden? No, I don't. I got to be reasonable. She's not as bad as Joe Biden. Do I think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton, who she's apparently playing, you know, calling and text messaging and communicating with? No, I don't. I don't think she's that bad. Hillary Clinton never proposed things like a wealth tax or regulating the banks tighter, this and that. But do I think she's as bad as Kamala Harris? No. The problem with Elizabeth Warren is, as we've learned throughout this United Corporations of America, and remember, this is the United Corporations of America. We don't live in a country. We live in a oligarchy. We live in a corporation. We don't live in a country. We live in a corporation. The, this Elizabeth Warren thing, it's, we already know the past. I don't need to get into the past. She was missing an action in 2016. She 100% should have endorsed Bernie Sanders. It actually could have made a difference in the Massachusetts primary. She didn't because she was playing political games. We know that. She was completely missing an action uh, at Standing Rock, which frankly, when she's apologizing to Native Americans for whatever you want to call it, I'm not Native American, so I don't want to dismiss. I don't cover the Native American DNA thing that much because I think there's more I think there's worse things about her to point out, uh, but she she should be apologizing to Native Americans, not just for this like cultural appropriation business, but for not doing any, for not doing anything, uh, for for not doing anything when Native Americans and environmental activists were getting their heads shot at, getting rubber bullets sprayed all over them, getting freezing water spread uh, sprayed on them, tear gas, pepper spray, grenades. A 21 year old almost lost her arm from a grenade shot. Nothing. Okay, we know about that. Then, uh, you know, she's interviewed by my former boss, Jenk. Why didn't you endorse Bernie? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. Frankly, I mean, if it were me, I wouldn't let her get away with that business. I don't really think Jenk challenged her that much. And that was it. She, she's never really explained herself why she didn't endorse Bernie. But all you got to do is, is look at WikiLeaks. They were sh WikiLeaks emails. You know, you're a Russian. If you dare point out WikiLeaks emails, the, the crime of just reporting accurate facts and emails, um, she obviously was making she had her team had meetings with Hillary Clinton's team as early as 2015. I went through the, I went through some of this history yesterday during our, our live chat, uh, our uh, broadcast on Sunday. So she obviously was angling as early as 2015, thinking Hillary Clinton's going to win. I'm positioning myself to possibly be in her cabinet. It's been reported that Elizabeth Warren was one of the finalists being considered for Hillary Clinton to be Hillary's vice president. Elizabeth Warren said she would have accepted it if she was. So there's, there's a long history here of Elizabeth Warren, not exactly like to the T being a progressive warrior, playing more political calculations than this is what I believe, this is who I am, I'm not gonna compromise who I am, and that I'm going to do what I think is right. 
she has for a long time been more of the political calculator now when i was at the young turks you know for example my my former colleague emma uh we had a debate about elizabeth warren and uh, you know i'm not like knocking her but she was more okay with that she 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 and some people uh with that mindset are more from the mentality of um oh you know breaking news a politician plays politics you know let's let's put her in the guillotine no i think there's a difference between a politician playing politics when they're elected uh when a, a politician having to compromise after they're elected and a politician you know basically kind of making little sell-offs and trade-offs of their integrity to get elected i don't know many politicians that where if they start making trade-offs before they're elected during the campaign i don't know many politicians that don't actually have to then pay those people back that they made the trade-offs with to get elected there's not many times you know it's not like this is not how washington works where you start elizabeth warren for example is having meetings over hot tea with leaders of the democratic party establishment elizabeth warren having text phone calls or, or phone calls or text messaging however she's communicating with hillary clinton and then you get elected and you j politicians just say like oh i was just kidding i'm gonna go put a wealth tax and i'm gonna regulate the banks and i'm gonna you know take all the subsidies away that's not how it happens people like hillary clinton don't talk to you and you get away with like getting their support and then you don't have to pay them back later the Democratic Party establishment. Elizabeth Warren isn't having hot tea with these people, trying to get their endorsements and probably twisting herself into a human pretzel to get that endorsement. And then if she gets uh, the nomination and if she gets elected, is then gonna be like, you punked, I was just punking you. I'm a burner, I'm progressive, go screw yourself. That just doesn't happen. That's why Bernie Sanders, you know, a lot of you didn't like it, frankly. A lot of you didn't like it, but that's why Bernie Sanders has threaded the needle a little bit, but not financially. Bernie Sanders has threaded the needle a little bit. So the difference is Elizabeth Warren is having hot tea with Democratic Party leaders. He's having, she's communicating with Hillary Clinton. She said, I'm a capitalist to my bones. She's basically, in a wink and a nod, signaling, I'll play ball. I'll play ball with you. You know? Yeah. You're going to have to accept a, more, a little bit more change than you're comfortable, but I'm not here for the revolution. I'm not going to burn down the village. You could still have your consultant fees. You could still take money from your donors, and you could still have your fast, first class seats on the Titanic. Bernie Sanders' idea of compromise? Fine. I'll, I'll go do a tour with Tom Perez. Fine. I'll slap Chuck Schumer's name onto a bill. That's my bill. Just to like have some form of working relationship with them. But he's not doing fundraisers with Democratic Party leaders. I can assure you, he's not going around the country having hot tea with Democratic Party leaders. He's going around the country picketing and striking with workers. He's going around the country, going to Walmart shareholders meeting and standing up for Walmart workers. No wonder uh, the last quarter, that would be April, May and June, the, the, the most prevalent uh, employee that donated to Bernie Sanders, Walmart workers. So I set this all up about Warren because in the last week or so, we've had a story coming out that she's basically, you know, actively sending text messages and phone calls and having meetings with a who's who of the Democratic Party establishment. Strike one. Now it's coming out, as I reported yesterday, she's privately speaking with Hillary Clinton. Now, you know, should Elizabeth Warren go to the guillotine 
Because she's speaking with Hillary Clinton? No. But there's only two reasons. There's only two options for why you would be speaking with Hillary Clinton. One option is you think she could give you advice that would help you win the nomination or win the presidency. If Elizabeth Warren thinks that Hillary Clinton could give her advice that would be helpful, I question Elizabeth Warren's uh, intelligence politically. She's obviously a very intelligent woman. But if you actually are talking to Hillary Clinton for advice, uh, you need to get your head examined. Hillary Clinton lost to a reality TV star, used car salesman, orange orangutan. So option one is gone. She's not talking to Hillary Clinton for, like, advice. So option two is you're talking to Hillary Clinton because, A, you want her endorsement because then you could get all those Hillbots. I I say Hillbots lovingly. All the Hillary people uh, in your corner. Hillary Clinton, she lost, but she did win the popular vote. So she would want those votes if you're Elizabeth Warren. So we have... The news about Elizabeth Warren having hot tea with the who's who of the Democratic Party establishment. Elizabeth Warren playing footsie with Hillary Clinton, which this is my very complaint about all politicians, so I'm not being unfair to Elizabeth Warren. How can you, in one breath, be going around the country talking about the inherent corruption of Washington, D.C., how the lobbyists, how the lobbyists uh, run run D.C., how the donors have hijacked or democracy, like, while after your speech, text message, I don't know, I don't know if it's phone calls or text messages, but then, like, playing footsie with Hillary Clinton, who is a personification of that. And by the way, it's not just Hillary Clinton. It's Joe Biden, it's Barack Obama, it's Rahm Emanuel, who I have words for today. So, like, it's, it's, it's just fraudulent. You cannot mean what you say if you are going out all along, all across the country doing town halls and bemoaning corruption and then playing footsie with the corrupt. Do you, it's not like Hillary Clinton, after she lost, had a mea culpa. It's not like Hillary Clinton, after she lost, was like, you know what? The Democratic Party, we need to stop taking this money from Wall Street and we need to make up and, and grovel back to the working class. The labor unions, the worker bees, the people who shower after work, and you know what, uh, my uh, error and, and my husband and me and, and a lot of Democrats like us, uh, our, our message and our ideas have not worked for the majority of the working people in this country. And for that, we need to move more. She doesn't even have to mention Bernie Sanders if she doesn't want to give Bernie the victory. We need to move, we need, uh, we need to move more over to the progressive side. No, who has she been blaming? Russia and James Comey and the mailman. And, and, and anybody but herself and her policies. Now it comes out, and by the way, I just got to admit, I kind of missed this story. Uh, and when you miss a story, you just got to own up to it. I, I missed this. I was being told that she transferred money into her from her Senate account into her campaign. What I missed, though, and just so you know, this is new from the New York Times, basically saying that Elizabeth Warren transferred. $10 million, uh, $10.8 million uh, from her Senate campaign uh, into her presidential campaign, where I think the confusion was, and a lot of that money, the $10.8 million, came from big fundraisers with the very people she is basically calling corrupt and saying she's not going to take their money anymore. Well, she took their money in the Senate during her Senate campaign, and essentially, she's, I, 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 I don't see a differential 
if she took that money as a Senate candidate and transferred it over, and that's how she started her presidential campaign, then it's not true that she hasn't taken money during her presidential campaign from corporations or you know corporate CEOs and these very people because that is the money she's used. She has used ten million dollars is a pretty good start to have that in the bank as soon as you launch. That's why she was able to staff up so much. She staffed up more than anyone else, any other candidate in Iowa. She staffed up because she had $10 million from her Senate campaign. Where I think I missed this story, I was under the impression that the $10 million that she transferred was from a super PAC she had uh, as a senator because she did have a super PAC for her reelection campaign in 2018. That's how I thought, that's what I thought it was. I didn't think it was her campaign committee. I thought it was super PAC money uh, that was being transferred over. And when I looked at this, not, not, excuse me, no, no, no. I didn't think that you can't transfer super PAC money into your campaign committee. What I thought is the, the issue and the criticism of Elizabeth Warren is she had a super PAC in her 2018, for her 2018 uh, reelection in Massachusetts. And I looked at that and only saw, I mean, here is her super PAC. Uh, the majority of it was from labor, $159,000. Finance was, which is Wall Street, uh, financial lawyers, was only $2,500. So that's what I was looking at when I was told, oh, she has a super PAC, she has a super PAC. When I looked at her campaign committee, you know, they have financial information for campaign committees, but it doesn't go, it doesn't give you any information on like, what fundraiser she held, who, who hosted the fundraisers, that kind of stuff you have to dig for. There wasn't much information out there until now about the fundraiser she was having to get that $10 million. So if you haven't read this, this is from the New York Times. One of the highest, uh, on the highest floor of the tallest building in Boston, Senator Elizabeth Warren was busy collecting big checks from some of the city's politically connected insiders. It was April 2018, and Miss Warren, up for re-election, was at a breakfast fundraiser hosted for, hosted for her by John M. Connors, one of the old guard power brokers of Massachusetts. Soon after, Miss Warren was in Manhattan doing the same thing. There would be then, there were then trips to Hollywood and Silicon Valley, Martha's Vineyard, and Philadelphia all with fundraisers on the agenda. She collected campaign funds at the private home of at least one California mega donor and was hosted by another in Florida. She held finance events until two weeks after her all but assured reelection in November. Then early this year, Ms. Warren made a bold bet that would delight the left. She announced she was quitting this big money circuit in the 2020 presidential primary, vowing not to attend private fundraisers or dial up rich donors anymore. Admirers and activists praised her stand, but few noted the fact that she built a financial cushion by pocketing big checks the year before. The open secret of Miss Warren's campaign is that her big money fundraising through 2018 helped lay the foundation for her anti-big money run for the presidency. Last winter and spring, she transferred $10.4 million in leftover funds from her 2018 Senate campaign to underwrite her 2020 run, a portion of which was raised from the same donor class she's now running against. As, for, as Warren has risen in the polls on her populist and anti-corruption message, some donors and privately opponents are chafing at her campaign's purity claims of being, quote, 100% grassroots funded. Several donors now hosting events for her rivals organized fundraisers for her last year. Quote, can you spell hypocrite? said former Governor Ed Rendell of Pennsylvania, by the way, one of the most corrupt party corporate 
Democratic Party stooges out there, who contributed 4000 to Warren in 2018 and is now supporting Biden. Rendell said he had recruited donors to attend an intimate fundraising dinner for Miss Warren last year at Barclay Prime, a Philadelphia steakhouse where she faint where she faint where the famed cheese steak goes for 120 unto 20 bucks for a cheese steak. He said he received a glowing thank you letter for Miss Warren afterward. But when Mr. Rendell co-hosted Mr. Biden's first fundraiser this spring, Miss Warren's campaign sent brickbats deriding the affair as a, quote, swanky private fundraiser for wealthy donors, the likes of which she now shuns. Quote, she didn't have any trouble taking our money the year before, Mr. Rendell said. All of a sudden, we were bad guys and power brokers and influence peddlers in 2018. In 2018, we were wonderful. Supporters of Ms. Warren say her presidential campaign should not be criticized for trying to lessen the influence of big donors now, even if she wooed and benefited from them previously. Quote, there's a perverse incentive system for public officials, said Adam Green, co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee, which has endorsed Ms. Warren. If candidates continue the big money status quo, he said, you don't get called a hypocrite. But if you stick your neck out, take chances, challenge power, and try to change the system step by step, you get criticized for not taking every step possible all at once. So, Adam, who I know, uh, I don't know him that well, but I know him, I've met him, I've interviewed him before. Uh, The Progressive Change Campaign Coalition uh, was uh, trying to get, you know, they were behind the campaign to get Elizabeth Warren to run for president in 2016. She obviously didn't run. Um, I don't know Adam that well. I like him uh, from from my interactions with him. But to keep it real, and I, I would tell him this to his face, kind of full of shit on this one. So, you know, what, what, this stuff about, um, you know, oh, I just canceled the story. But this stuff about, you know, being brave and sticking your neck out. Yeah, she was sticking her neck out at high dollar fundraisers in Silicon Valley, in Martha's Vineyard, in New York, in California. Uh, That's where she was sticking her neck out. And frankly, I'm sorry, it's just not accurate now. It's not accurate to say she hasn't taken big money in her presidential campaign. The money that was transferred over $10 million you know, Bernie transferred money over from his Senate campaign. The only difference is that money came from small dollar donations that he raised for his Senate campaign. He was never doing lavish fundraisers at steakhouses for $120 for a cheesesteak, uh, which is a damn good cheesesteak. But do you have $120 for anything right now, much less a cheesesteak? Honestly, you know, the problem with politics is politicians make many rationalizations with themselves they make many rationalizations with themselves all the time and every rationalization they make with themselves and they're told by their the consultants around them and the advisors hey you know on this one we got to give a little bit because for the greater good we're going to get x and then and and that just becomes the norm and the x that they're going to get is always some bipartisan deal that gives crumbs to the proletariat and gives nice cheesesteak to the wealthy So Elizabeth Warren, you know, honestly, when you're raising that much money, Elizabeth Warren knew when she was running for re-election for Senate that she was immediately going to run for president. She announced earlier than anyone. She she won re-election in November 2018 
she announced she was running for president, I believe, at the end of December 2018. Literally a, literally a month after she won re-election. So raising that money, she wasn't raising that money with her Senate re-election in mind. She was raising that money with her presidential campaign in mind. Here's the thing. Elizabeth Warren has raised money from big corporate donors because she transferred that money over. And by the way, when the, when the media is throwing all this ad adulation at her, oh, you know, she hasn't had one, uh, you know, she hasn't had one fundraiser with big dollar donors. She hasn't had one fundraiser with like corporate CEOs or lobbyists. She, she has the most staff on the ground in Iowa. Well, I don't want to, listen, I don't want to say she cheated to get there, but I will say the reason she was able to front load her staff in Iowa, the reason she had such a large staff right out of the gate is because she had raised that big dollar money that she then transferred over into her presidential campaign. So in a way, it is a little cheating. Cheating in terms of not like anything illegal, but cheating in the spirit of I'm not taking corporate money and I'm going to raise and I'm going to compete with small dollar money. And I think where Elizabeth Warren, because to me, she is not a progressive in the same uh, w way that Bernie Sanders is at all. What she is not understanding is the same thing that Hillary Clinton doesn't didn't understand. The same thing that Nancy Pelosi did not understand. The same thing that Chuck Schumer doesn't understand. That CNN, that MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press, none of them understand. Money will not buy you elections anymore. On a local level, yes, it plays a big part. On a state level, yes, it plays a big part. Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump two to one, okay? She lost in pretty big fashion in the Electoral College. You could talk to your blue in the face that, oh, only by 77,000 votes, whatever. It shouldn't have even been close against Donald Trump. He was the most, he had the highest unfavorables of any presidential candidate in the history of the United Corporations of America. Donald Trump, most unfavorable uh, number of any, she should have spanked him electorally. So when, you, when they say, oh, she only lost by 77,000 votes, I don't know. I don't. Bernie Sanders wouldn't have lost. He would have crushed him. Honestly, if I think Warren would have beat Trump in 2016. So the point is, the point is, when Elizabeth Warren is in the beginning of her campaign and she has all this staff in Iowa and she is basically outpacing other campaigns and being able to staff out of Iowa, she's doing it because she made this internal you know, rationalization and deal with herself as a running for Senate that I'm gonna take this big money. So it's just not genuine and not true that she's ran her campaign fully grassroots. And let me tell you why that's a problem. Some of you and, and some people who consider themselves progressives would say, Jordan, like enough with the extremes. We have to defeat Trump. You can't expect somebody to be perfect. You can't expect someone to not take any money. You have to compete and you need money to compete. Listen, here's the bottom line, okay? I'm not naive and you shouldn't be either. If Bernie Sanders was elected president, he's not gonna get every single thing he wants done right away. He might not get every single thing he wants done, period, okay? And he's gonna have to compromise in some areas. That's, that's life, okay? We don't have a parliamentary system. I think we should, 
Uh, but, you know, we have a system that even if Bernie got a Democratic House and a Senate, you think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schomer are just going to welcome him in with cupcakes and tea and say, oh, Bernie, we were with you the whole time. Let's do Medicare for all. Let's do $16 trillion for the Green New Deal. They're going to fight him every step of the way. That's who these people are. So Bernie would have to compromise. But there's a difference between compromising strategically to get wholesale as much change as you can and compromising your integrity right out of the gate. Compromising, you know, if Bernie Sanders had to compromise and, you know, ultimately he could get them to agree to uh, Medicare for all phased in over five years uh, or six years with, you know, not as many benefits, but still, you know, government health care. Would you take that? I would. I would, if we could have a government system where it is free, maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, dental wouldn't be free or something like that. I'm just throwing out ideas. But I, A, I know Bernie Sanders would fight to the deaths to get every single thing he wants and would only compromise when it becomes politically a political reality that that's what he has to do. The difference between that, which I accept, and what we're seeing from Elizabeth Warren I don't trust Elizabeth Warren to fight the way Bernie Sanders would fight. I don't trust, at this point, I don't even know if the thing she's saying she's going to do is truly in her heart what she wants to do. I think she's basically, her whole campaign, they should be changing the slogan from I have a plan to have my cake and eat it too. Because you're either on the progressive side where you see the same corrupt Democratic Party leaders that you're having hot tea with right now, if you're Elizabeth Warren, you're either a progressive who sees those people as a major part of the problem and you're not going to play footsie with and you're not going to play, you know, uh, do business with these people right now. You're not. Or you kind of like, well, you know, uh, I'm progressive and I want more progressive economic change. But like, you know, I'll play I'll play ball with these people. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to criticize these people. And I'm not going to criticize these people who are, you know, depriving millions of people of health care. I'm not going to criticize these people that are depriving millions of people of education. I'm not going to criticize these people who are standing by drinking their champagne as the Amazon is on fire and the planet burns. I'm not going to criticize these people who literally have just sold, sold their offices to the highest donor and bidder. That is the problem. And frankly, I'm just going to keep it real. If there are media that claim to be independent, if there are media that claim to be progressive who are going out there and saying that I or Jimmy or people that are basically just telling it like it is are extreme or unreasonable, uh, I would say you're either willfully ignorant or naive. Because honestly, what Elizabeth Warren is doing and this have my cake and eat it too, do town halls all over the country and claim to be this fierce anti-corruption warrior and claim to be this like, you know, I'm going to do a wealth tax and I'm going to soak it to the rich and, you know, we're breaking up Amazon and Google and this and that. How are you going to do these things if you are playing footsie with the very people enabling all of the corruption and participating in all of the corruption? Do you think you just get to meet with people, have hot tea and you don't have to pay them back favors later if they're going to endorse you, if they're a super delegate or anyone. No, no way.
So I think people that are, you know, calling us unreasonable or saying, oh, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're going to get Donald Trump elected. No, Elizabeth Warren is basically trying like a halfway Hillary Clinton strategy to become the nominee and ultimately defeat Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think that's a good strategy. I don't think that's a good strategy to win. I really don't. What do you think? Am I being too tough on Elizabeth Warren? Do I have an insane purity test? Because I got news for you folks. If she's going to make little de- little internal deals with herself right now and little rationalizations now, like, oh, you know what? I'll take the money in the general election. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll push, uh, I'll transfer 10 million over into my presidential campaign that I got from big money. I'll, I'll get on the phone with Hillary Clinton and get her advice. If she's doing all that now, what do you think she's going to do when she's president? This, to me, reeks of Barack Obama. And, you know, listen, I would say this about anyone. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. But frankly, this reeks of Barack Obama. Hey, I'm sure many of you and me got hoodwinked in 2007. I thought Obama was Mick Jagger, okay? I thought Obama was going to, you know, part, part the oceans and heal the world. And I didn't know at the time because I wasn't, I wasn't very politically uh, knowledgeable as I am now that he was basically littering in the background. He was taking more money than God from Wall Street. And when he became president, he just laced the place with Wall Street bankers. No wonder nobody went to jail. No wonder they dodd Frank, which was a Band-Aid to a gunshot wound. No wonder we're st- you know, he didn't get out of Afghanistan. War is a racket and it makes a lot of money. No wonder, no wonder he, you know, he proposed a Republican health care plan instead of a public option or Medicare for all. So what can I tell you? I'm not impressed and I'm not going to stop covering Elizabeth Warren critically. Now, to be fair, to be fair, that doesn't mean I, I want to be fair because I, I think we have to. Everything has some context and nuance. Do I think Elizabeth Warren is the same as Joe Biden? I don't. You might be mad at me for saying that, but I don't. Do I think she's as bad as Kamala Harris? No. Do I think she's as bad as Pete Buttigieg? No. Do I think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton? No. But that's not the standard that we should be voting on. And that's not the standard that we should hold our elected officials or our candidates to. It's not, it's not, it shouldn't be, are they as bad as this? And by the way, I want to defeat Donald Trump, okay? I'll do just about anything within law within the law and journalistically that is ethical to defeat Donald Trump. He's dangerous and it's getting worse and worse every day, every week, every month with this president. But I don't think this is the way to do it. It's not like the anti-establishment fever that that, uh, spread in 2016 has just gone away. And if Warren became the nominee, do you think these things are not gonna come back to bite her in the butt? Do you think she's endearing herself to the hardcore progressives? I know what the polls say. A lot of the polls say Bernie Sanders supporters would vote for Elizabeth Warren, and they might ultimately vote for Elizabeth Warren. But the problem is it's not only Bernie Sanders supporters you have to concern yourself with if you're Elizabeth Warren. You have to inspire the people that didn't come out in 2016, the 5% less African-Americans that didn't come out for Hillary Clinton as, com- as compared to Obama in 2012, the 5% less Latinos that didn't come out for Hillary Clinton that came out for uh, Barack, uh, Barack Obama in 2012. You have to inspire the uh, 6% less P- 
people age 18 to 29 that didn't come out for uh, Hillary Clinton in 2016 compared to Barack Obama. Well, if they're seeing right in front of them someone that's having their cake and eat it too and ranting about corruption and then playing footsie with Hillary Clinton, I don't know if you're going to, I don't know if you're going to really endear yourself to those people. So we'll see what happens. Now I have, uh, I have a story, another story, this one that's not being covered anywhere. And this is where, folks, the, can't, the election is being rigged as we speak. It's not a conspiracy theory. And it's being, honestly, to me, besides the media, which has been rigging this thing from the start, where it's being rigged the most is right where I'm sitting, New York. For those of you that have been following my reporting over the last week or so, uh, there's a lot going on. And the governor of New York, who is a very, very big ally of Joe Biden, is basically trying to rig the election to help Joe Biden, whether he's dragged, by, dragged, dragged, his lifeless body is dragged because, frankly, he shouldn't be running for president. As I've been saying, frankly, there's something off with this guy. There's something not going well cognitively. And report, to me, reporters are irresponsible to keep calling these gaffes. When somebody's forgetting President Obama's name, not a gaffe. When somebody's forgetting cities that just had two mass shootings in 24 hours, not a gaffe. When somebody is stuttering through sentences and can't remember where he is, not gaffes. This is somebody in cognitive decline. This morning, this morning, I spoke with um, Assemblyman Ron Kim of New York. He is a local assemblyman in New York. And I spoke with him because if you don't know, and just because this is happening in New York, trust me, it affects all of you. If you support Bernie Sanders, if you support and don't want this election rigged like 2016, pay attention. So if you don't know, New York has the most archaic and suppressive voter registration laws in America. It ranks 50 out of 50 as far as how early you need to register if you're not a Democrat, how early you need to register to become a a Democrat. So if you currently are registered in New York as um, Green Party, if you currently are registered in New York as a uh, Working Families Party, if you're registered as, um, I don't know, an independent, whatever, you have till October 11th, October 11th, to switch over and register as a Democrat. Now, since 2016, when attention was on New York, you had 200,000 people were purged off the voter rolls and the majority of people that wanted to vote for, not the majority, but a lot of people that wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders, you're talking about thousands of people, found out when they went on election day that they didn't register in time, meaning six months before the primary. The primary is in April, October was the deadline to switch to becoming a Democrat. So obviously the deadline being so early is meant to suppress the vote. Because if more, indep- if more people that are independents or Green Party or whatever are given more time to register, who's going who's gonna to do better? Joe, you think the Green Party people, you think the independents, you think uh, Working Families Party are going to go vote for Joe Biden? No. Or Kamala Harris? No. So because of this, the New York State Assembly, which is the House in, in New York, and the New York State Senate passed a bill in June to move that egregious, undemocratic deadline from October 11th to February 14th. Frankly, I think February 14th is still too early, uh, but it's a lot better than October 11th. The bill passed in June. Three months later, 
It continues to sit. It has not been signed by Governor Cuomo. He has now he has also threatened to veto it. Governor Cuomo has endorsed Joe Biden. Governor Cuomo has opened his fundraising network to union union guy and middle class Joe. What a shock. Governor Cuomo is not a friend of progressives. Governor Cuomo, if Hillary Clinton didn't run or Joe Biden didn't run, would have ran for president himself. So I have reached out to Governor Cuomo's office several times asking, are you waiting for a bus? The bill has been signed by the New York State Assembly and the New York State Senate to move this egregious deadline to February. Why does this matter? Because in terms of pledge delegates up for grabs, New York, according to the New York Times, New York is number three out of all the states in the amount of pledged delegates up for grabs. So if Bernie doesn't do well here, or if Joe Biden does well, it's pretty, it will play a big fat, big um, part in who has the most pledged delegates going in to the convention. So California has the most pledged delegates because it's the biggest state. I think they have 400 something delegates uh, up for grabs. Texas is next with 228 and New York is next with 224. So Texas and New York are pretty much the same. Only a few delegates separate them. So if the deadline is in October, which the majority of people do not know, you're gonna have way less people that might vote for someone like Bernie Sanders able to vote. Well, isn't that a problem? If you wanna have a free and fair election, isn't that a problem? If we're a democracy, don't you want as many people to vote as possible? I spoke with New York Assemblyman Ron Kim this morning, who is a progressive, he supports Bernie Sanders, about what is the holdup and why isn't this a bigger outcry in New York? Why why aren't there more people in the streets? The the bill has passed. We're, we're, We're talking, now we're talking 33 days till the deadline to register. By the way, that's the number to Andrew Cuomo's office. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just providing the information. 33 days left for people in New York, if they're not Democrats, to register as a Democrat, even though the guy in the center has a bill sitting on his desk that would move it back to February 14th that has been passed. So I'm trying to speak with more people because this is scandalous. This isn't like it's still being debated. It's already passed. This is, in this case... One of the most power, one of the most powerful governors in America, throwing his whole body on the scale to protect middle class Joe. Here is my part of my conversation. The, the interview is longer, but here's just a short clip of my interview with Assemblyman Kim on this outrageous uh, act or not acting by Governor Cuomo. Here we go. You're right. It's October 11 as it stands is the deadline. He still hasn't signed the bill. Um, and we came together and passed this legislation based on the last few years and the last presidential election cycle where thousands of people felt like their 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 voices weren't heard because of this outdated deadlines and and our outdated uh, voting registration system. So we've not only this, but we looked at a number of different ways to improve that. Um, and instead of embracing every one of those bills like he's been stalling and, and not not moving and instead what he's doing is going around and 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 talking about uh, consolidating the elections and totally trying to change and own a different narrative 
um, knowing that we're out of session, then knowing that like this has nothing to do with the bills that we passed. Um, and, and I think, you know, the reality is like we have a governor who's endorsed and is favoring uh, another candidate for president. And I think he's and him and, and people who are aligned with them are doing whatever they can um, to favor the outcome toward uh, that candidate, which happens to be in this case, uh, Joe Biden. And, and that's wrong. You know, we have to be first and foremost, no matter what your party line is, we have to protect our democracy. And, and if, if, even if one voter feels like their, their vote is not being counted, we're doing something wrong in this state. Right. Because basically, you know, most people know this, but for those who don't, New York is a closed primary, so you have to be a Democrat to vote. Um, so this bill that passed would allow... Uh, if you're currently working families party, Green Party, Republican, Independent, whatever, uh, you have more time. I believe it got moved to February of next right. year. Uh, and that makes more sense because most people start tuning in, you know, around the same around the time of the Iowa caucus, New Hampshire primary. Um, so that was actually my question to you. But it seems clear to me. I mean, Biden, some of the other establishment candidates are going to do better among registered Democrats, whereas people like Bernie Sanders tend to do better uh, among independents uh, and also first time voters. Uh, do you, you know, has the governor said anything on why he hasn't signed this yet? Uh, and obviously, you know, reports show he's opened up his fundraiser network to Biden. Right. I mean, I don't think he'll ever admit to that, um, that he's doing this to support his favorite candidate for the White House. Uh, but the facts are the facts. I mean, you pointed out, I mean, per, a person like Bernie Sanders does exceptionally well among younger voters. And, and some of those voters, just like four years ago, I mean, they, they often wait thinking that they can vote. They don't even realize that New York State is structured this way. They, they, they think they can just come. I vote. Why, why wouldn't someone not allow me to vote? So they show up on Election Day. Um, and they realize that you can't vote in this primary, uh, which, which was what happened four years ago. What, what Assemblyman Kim is saying is basically like Governor Cuomo should not be tilting the playing fields for his candidate when the legislature, you know, there's checks and balances. The bill has been passed. If he's not going to sign it, he needs to give a legitimate reason why he's not going to sign it. Governors, you can't claim you're progressive. Obviously, Cuomo's not a progressive, but you cannot claim to be a progressive or, you know, care about democracy, if you're basically playing God with the the will of the Assembly and the State Senate, who, by the way, the people you represent, the governor represents, voted for these people. So they voted for the State Senate and the State Assemblyman. Well, the State Assembly and the State Senate voted to move New York State's suppressive, undemocratic ridiculous deadline of six months before the actual primary to register as a Democrat to February. And this governor is sitting on his ass, probably giggling, to try and help Joe Biden. And let's be real, that's who this helps. Joe Biden and establishment candidates benefit when as, as few people are eligible to vote as possible because then you're disenfranchising independents, you're disenfranchising young people, I don't know many people that, that in New York or anywhere that are aware uh, the deadline to register to become a Democrat for the April primary is basically in is 33 days from now. I don't know anyone that pays attention that early.
I also don't know anyone that is, I don't know many people. I mean, obviously you do because you're watching. Not everyone is so into politics that they are even paying attention to the primary right now. A lot of people aren't. Most people aren't. So not only do they not know uh, when the deadline to register is, they, they probably aren't even paying attention to all the candidates. So it's absurd. It's absurd. And I put the number in there because, frankly, this governor cannot be allowed to just sit on his behind with no pressure on him. So, and again, this is not only about the state of New York. Again, if you want someone like Bernie Sanders to be able to compete, if you want someone like Bernie Sanders to win the nomination, he, you know, New York has the third largest amount of delegates, pledge delegates, up for grabs. So if this deadline remains in place for October 11th to register as a Democrat, I'm telling you straight up, sorry, I'm just going to keep it real, he's not going to do so well. He's not going to do well in New York. So 33 days, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll update that graphic every day that the bill is not signed. So tomorrow will be 32 days, and we're going to stay on this story. And I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm building up my sources. So, you know, I focus more on national politics, so I don't have like a ton of sources in New York, but I'm trying to make some sources in New York to see, you know, is, is anyone going to speak up against this? Rahm Emanuel, who is the mayor of Chicago for many years, who uh, basically helped cover up the fact that one of his police officers shot a 17-year-old black kid 16 times and covered it up so he could win re-election. Rahm Emanuel, who, while mayor of Chicago, po- poverty went up, uh, the most amount of people ever in Chicago's history fled Chicago. Uh, you had him gentrify the whole place and make it beautiful for the wealthy and uh, upper middle class, that downtown region that he sunk money into while he left the rest of Chicago. While he left the rest of Chicago to rot. So Rahm Emanuel uh, went on uh, a Sunday show yesterday and said this. And it measures up as... Healthcare is the single issue that Democrats have a 35-point advantage on. President Trump is trying to do everything he can to narrow that down. We've taken a position so far, and the candidates have, through the process, a few have not, about on basically Medicare for all, which is we're going to eliminate 150 million people's health care, and we're going to provide health care for people that just come over the border. That is an untenable position for the general election. I, as you know, George, I just biked around Lake Michigan, nearly 1,000 miles through Michigan and Wisconsin, two really important states. Nobody at a diner ran at me and said, take my health care away. Nobody. This is, this is reckless as it relates to, and you don't have to take the position to win the primary, and you're basically literally hindering yourself for the general election. Rahm Emanuel, with the ridiculous corporate talking points that uh, somehow this is an untenable position for the Democratic primary, and you will lose in the general election running on Medicare for all. And that somehow, uh, you know, he wrote, he rode a bike around Wisconsin and Michigan and at the diners, people weren't coming up to him, telling him, like, I want to keep my private health insurance. First of all, who the hell would go up to Rahm Emanuel at a diner anyway? Would you? To say something nice? Secondly, secondly, why would people just randomly go up to Rahm Emanuel at a diner and talk to him about healthcare. Why? The anecdote that he used makes no sense. Nobody cares about Rahm Emanuel enough to go up to him and give them their thoughts on the healthcare debate. 
you know, it's so un- untenable, so untenable. And of course, George Stephanopoulos, uh, another idiot anchor who's not a real journalist, just, you know, left out like just the minor details that, oh, you know, Democrats more likely to support a candidate who backs Medicare for all over fixing Obamacare. As the Democratic presidential field continues to grapple with plans to address health care, a significant majority of Democratic voters are more likely to back a 2020 primary candidate who supports Medicare for all than building on the Affordable Care Act, a new poll found. According to Politico Morning Consult, 65% of Democratic primary voters would more likely would more likely support a candidate who wants to institute a single-payer health care system like Medicare for all. 13% said they'd be less likely to back a candidate based on that support. By the way, this is just one poll. There's plenty of other polls that show the majority of Democrats, the majority of independents, and the majority even of Republicans support Medicare for all. And the polls where it doesn't do well the wording makes it sound like tyranny, like you're, you know, would you support your your health insurance be taken away? And they count that as people not being for Medicare for all. So this bullshit, this lie, it's a lie. It's propaganda from Rahm Emanuel that the majority of, de- you know, the majority, it's untenable. The people don't want this. The people, it's just not true. And of course, ABC doesn't doesn't point this out because it's not in their interest to point it out. Their parent company, ABC's parent company, they don't want a single-payer healthcare system. The, the people that uh, are behind corporate media are, are with Wall Street. And Wall Street loves the health insurance industry because they're invested in the health insurance industry. That's why this Medicare for All discussion never has the actual numbers or facts. They just put negative numbers that are usually cherry-picked and they leave out the overwhelming majority of polls that favor a government-run healthcare system. And the interesting thing to me, he's also saying, and, and, and Jake Tapper, Bernie Sanders, kind of slapped Jake Tapper around in the last debate saying, Jake, you're using a Republican talking point, saying, oh, 150 million people have their health care taken away. The system, first of all, Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan, which a lot of people think this is too, too much, is phased in over four years. It's the first year, it goes down to people 55 Next year, 45. Next year, 35. Next year, everybody. Everybody remaining. That, whose health care is going to be taken away? Nobody's. You would have to wait. If you have private health insurance and you are those ages, the, those younger ages, you would have to wait. Your turn, basically. But nobody is going to have a, a period where they have no health insurance uh, when the private health insurance industry would be greatly, greatly diminished and borderline eliminated under Bernie Sanders. Nobody's going to say like, oh, you'll have to wait three months. So you're not going to have health insurance for three months between when uh, your private plan ends and when you get your government health care plan. Nobody, Rahm Emanuel, none of them have actually proven that you're going to have to wait or you're going to be without health care because it's not true. Because it's not true. And this is this is what Republicans do, and this is what Fox News do. They try to scare the living hell out of people and scare them into submission of the status quo. Scare them into submission for the status quo. Uh, 